Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. Ever wondered just how involved God is in your daily life? Then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Dylan Meyer, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, the Ten Commandments, baptism, Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to the Living Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, episode 45, What a Blessing. My name is Pastor Tom Marsa, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Dylan Meyer. We're glad that you're with us as we're returning now back to our uh, series of Living the Faith, diving into the central teachings of the church. For the past four weeks, we had deviated a little bit. We went to our uh, emphasis of tell the next generation. It's been an opportunity for us here at Zion to be reminded of God's many blessings in the past and his continued blessings on into the future and the privilege that is ours to share that good news. And so we're diving back into back. Baptism. And so we're resuming that emphasis, and today we're going to be looking at the blessings of baptism. And so as we do that, the focus really gets into what are the benefits given by baptism, in by God in baptism. Yeah, well, if we look back to before our October month emphasis on telling the next generation, we talked a little bit about the nature of of baptism, asking ourselves what baptism is and why we do it. And so, you know, after looking at that topic within baptism, and obviously you're welcome to go back and review um, and listen to that podcast again if you'd like. Um, But today we are looking at the benefits given by God in baptism. And we review the means of grace a little bit, how God is himself a gift giver. That's a part of his nature. Um, And so in baptism, he does give us gifts. And we can understand this in the way that, you know, in, in baptism, there's nothing that we really do or contribute. It's a sacrament where God, you know, Christ has instituted this and has... Uh, promise the forgiveness of sins, and it has the physical element. And so in baptism, um, we look at the various gifts that God gives. Now, Peter talks about that right away early in the book of Acts. The church has uh, its early beginnings. Uh, Christ has returned into heaven. And in these early beginnings, as we see in Acts chapter 2, Peter talks about repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then he says at the end of that verse, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And really, as we talk about this, this gift giving that God has, and what a blessed gift that the Holy Spirit is given to each and every one of us through baptism, working in and through our lives. And because in that gift, we know that we are rescued from hell and eternal death and eternal separation from God. And Paul talks about that again in Romans chapter 6, because he talks about how in Christ we are raised from the dead, in other words, the dead of our sin, and we have this glorious inheritance that God has promised for us, and all of that is 
packaged inside this gift that God gives us in baptism. So knowing that all of that is packaged in this gift, why would any of us uh, want to turn our backs on this blessed gift that God has given us? Oh, I don't need that. Well, of course we need that because we see sin and death and destruction and trouble all around us. And yet here in this gift God is giving us, we're set free from all of that. Doesn't mean that in this life we don't experience that trouble, but we're set free from that and know that ultimately we're going to receive that blessed heavenly inheritance through Christ Jesus. And also the, the heavenly inheritance uh, talk, you hear a lot in association with uh, baptism, especially from Paul and uh you know, one of my favorite passages on baptism comes from Galatians, where Paul uses baptism to actually illustrate how um, we have been made sons and heirs adopted by God into something that is, that is, you know, really great. And so, you know, we have this new identity that's been given to us uh, from God. You know, we're Paul talks in Ephesians about how we've been united with Christ and with other Christians in one faith, one baptism, one God, you know, um, this unity of our, our new identity that's been given to us. Well, we often talk about being a part of the family of God. We are brought yeah. into the family of God through this water of baptism. Uh, we talked about earlier, our names are written on the book of life and having our names written on the book of life, we're being brought in, adopted into the family. And that changes our identity uh, in most often in this life, if someone is uh, adopted into a family, come into a family through adoption, they receive a new last name. Their identity is now with that family. And so in baptism, our identity is not with the world around us, but our identity now is with the family of God. And in that, we have this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we were talking about how Paul, I mean, excuse me, the Apostle Peter is talking about this early in the book of Acts, but really throughout the book of Acts, again and again and again, we see the power of the Spirit working in and through uh, the Word and the uh, as the Word is spread throughout the then known world, Paul's many missionary journeys, the early church, the power coming in and through the Spirit working in that Word. And so it's not a dead book. It's not some book that we merely read and then put on a shelf somewhere, but it's alive and working in our lives. And that is the Spirit working in and through our lives. And we see that through the power of the water and the Word. We talk about baptism being the connection of the physical element connected with God's Word, and it delivers that power, that forgiveness of sin that is ours in Christ Jesus. And so it's that power of the Spirit working in and through that. So with all that being said, it seems to be a rather rhetorical question, but the question then before us is, okay, why do we need baptism? I think a lot of people, uh, when it comes to this question, you know, they, they dismiss baptism because, uh, you know, we, we preach and teach that Christ has already done everything for us and that the gospel is, you know, the gospel is, faith is what saves us, right? And so... But also we hear in scripture that baptism saves. And so it, you know, why do we need baptism with having these things in mind? 
Well, I mean, yeah, we do understand that Christ has indeed forgiven and atoned for the sins of the whole world already, um, but and, and that Christ's work is not a you know a past tense thing; it's also a present and future reality as well. Well, this is one of those things why uh, people might often wonder why is it that pastors and Vickers, uh, students going into the ministry have to learn uh, these foreign languages. I mean, we speak English all the time, so isn't it important that they're good in speaking and writing English? Uh, why do you have to learn Hebrew? Why do you have to learn Greek? Um, trust me, it's one of those difficult things that I had to do to get into the ministry. I'm not going to claim to be the most brilliant uh, Greek scholar. However, one of the things that you do learn is that Greek is much more of an exact language language than English. And uh, we often talked about this as we were going through our trek through the scriptures, as we were talking about the interpretation of the various books. But in Greek, when you talk about this past action, it talks about an action that started in the past and is continuing on into the future. It's not Mm -hmm. a completed past action. It's an action that started in the past, yes. So in that sense, it's a past action, but it goes on into the future. And so as we dive into the original language, we see again and again that it's not a past and completed finished action. It is one that started in the past, but goes on into the future. And so that means that as we talk about Christ's work, It's not just simply done in the past, completed in a historical event that we remember, but as we look into the scriptures, we see it moving on also into the future. And so that means that Christ's work is still what? Alive and working in our lives. And so it's a continued reality, not something merely uh, to be reminded that it happened, but that it is continuing to happen among us. And so that really helps us as we look at this uh, concept of baptism that's given to us, that it's ongoing, it keeps going. It's not something that was merely an historical event. Yeah, and um, so, you know, talking about this and uh, regarding this, why we need baptism in light of all of this uh, work of Christ, um, having already been done, you know, we understand that Christ still continues a work of forgiveness, and and baptism is one of those means of grace in which uh, he does that, you know. Um, through baptism, Christ's universal forgiveness, right, that he accomplished on the cross is made more personal and intimate for each and every one of us. And in the sacraments, it's it's made more individual to us, and baptism being a means of grace uh, how God continues to deliver to deliver His grace. Um, this is, you know, the forgiveness of sins, God's grace, more intimately given to each and every one of us, and um, that is really important to remember. I think, and and really um, uh, significant, especially in our own daily walks of faith, to remember how um, even though we say, you know, Jesus did die for the sins of all, we can also remember that Jesus died for my sins, you know, and, and Jesus, you know, baptism helps us remember that we ourselves individually are each children of God. Well, one of the things that uh, anybody who has heard me preach uh, uh, at least uh, several times and Zion's heard me preach many times over the 34 years that I've been here. One of the themes 
and ideas that I'm constantly uh, bringing out, whether it be in Sunday morning sermons or funeral sermons, uh, Jesus knows our name and calls us by name, that we're not merely a number on a list somewhere, that our names are written on the book of life, and he knows mm-hmm. who we are. We, I often talk about it takes something to really know a person's name. It's more than just having them on a list somewhere as a number, like a social security number or you know your telephone number or all the numbers that we're known by, but he calls us by name. And in baptism, we see this personal, intimate connection that God has with us. He says, I am calling you. Yes, he died for all, as Vicar was talking about, but I am calling you. And Vicar kept uh, referring to the means of grace. Again, that's something that we've talked about often, Mm -hmm. uh, but the way that he brings to us or delivers to us his undeserved love. I mean, that's uh, very important to be reminded again and again what the means of grace are, the way he touches our lives, the way he comes to us is very important. And baptism is central to that in the sense that in that water and the word, he's touching us, he's coming to us and saying, you are my own. So the question, if that's so intimate, so true, and it is, um, because we see that baptism now saves us, and as we go through scripture, what about salvation? Is it possible outside of baptism uh, for those unbaptized? I mean, is it there? Now, is there examples of that in the scripture? Yes, there is. Yeah, I mean, I I think of the thief on the cross as being probably the most significant example of somebody being saved by not being baptized, you know, because when you think of the narrative of the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross is... uh, in that moment with Jesus being on the, I forget, I don't think it specifies which cross he was on, but one of the crosses to his left or right. And uh, he says, remember me, Lord, when you go into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And notice the thief on the cross doesn't say, I don't want to be baptized. I mean, he doesn't have opportunity to be baptized. It's not like he has turned his back on baptism. He's not baptized because he does not have the opportunity or the privilege of uh, being baptized. And so it's important to realize that Yes, he was saved. Uh, He didn't turn his back on baptism. He just uh, was unable to to have that opportunity. And in in this life, we have uh, these examples as well. I think of a young man uh, who was dating a member of our congregation. This was several years ago. And um, he was, uh, when they had started dating, he was an unbeliever. He didn't come from a family of faith, uh, but he would worship with her. Uh, He was coming to the faith. And he uh, started, unbeknownst to her, taking adult classes. He was uh, working towards becoming a member and getting baptized. That was his desire. He had come to the faith. The Spirit had moved him uh, uh, in the times that he had worshiped with her and other things that he had done. And so the plan was he was to be baptized. As most adults, we go through instruction first and then they're baptized. But sadly, tragically, uh, he was killed in the oil fields in a, in a trucking accident mm-hmm. and never was baptized. Uh, but what comfort that brought to his uh, soon-to-be fiance, uh, they were going, planning on getting married, uh, that 
knowing that he had been uh, instructing, that he had intended to be baptized, that he was desiring baptism and he was working towards that. He wasn't baptized yet. Uh, was the desire, had the Spirit moved him and gotten him to that place? The answer is yes, uh, but he was not yet baptized, but yet with all confidence at his funeral, it could be proclaimed, here was a faithful member of the body of Christ who had come to faith and was, uh, while not baptized yet, uh, was going to be baptized and be brought into that blessed relationship. So it's not just the example of the thief on the cross, as Vicar referenced uh, at the very end of Jesus' uh, mortal life here, but it's also in our own life. We can see examples of where people uh, are planning, desiring, working towards baptism by the power of the Spirit, and yet uh, tragically, oftentimes, sometimes uh, are not baptized yet, and yet we can be with confidence knowing that they're dying in the faith. And returning back to this, I mean, one of the Lutheran um, principles that we often talk about, faith alone saves. Yes, very true. But baptism also saves. And the reason is? God says so in his word. This is why we believe that baptism also saves. And I mean, you can... uh, I was going to, you know, I'm referring to uh, Peter uh, talking about how baptism saves and it's not just a removal of dirt, but it's for a good conscience, uh, a, a better calling. And so, you know, it's it. God says so. This is this is God's word that tells us that baptism saves, but also that faith alone saves. And so, you know, going back to what pastor was emphasizing, you know, uh, if you if you join the uh, faith and the Holy Spirit gives you faith, then one should not hesitate to then be baptized because that is you being welcomed into God's family. That is you uh, um, being washed clean of the identity of the old world and being uh, welcomed into the new identity of Christ. You know, you're putting on Christ and so, um, yeah, this is this is all very important uh, and significant stuff. And we see it throughout the work of Paul, realizing that Paul went from town to town. He was uh, an evangelist. He wasn't a parish pastor, so to speak. He was an evangelist. He was getting a congregation started, uh, delivering that message, and then he would leave them with leadership uh, to be able to uh, lead that congregation. And we see this uh, especially coming out in his pastoral epistles, and that would right. be First and Second Timothy and Titus, where he is talking to these young pastors, these uh, leaders, uh, shepherds of the church, and as he talks to Titus, especially in this in his letter to Titus, he speaks about baptism as salvation, God's grace and mercy. And he also speaks of baptism as now making us heirs. Now that goes back to what we talked about earlier when we talked about being brought into the family. Uh, nowadays, uh, you don't necessarily have to be a part of the family to be an heir. Uh, if it's the will says it, uh, last will and testament, then it is. But in the ancient times, to be an heir, you needed to be a part of the family. It wasn't just something, a piece of paper. You had to actually be a part of the family. And so re- Receiving this heavenly inheritance means we're part of the family. And there's that intimate 
relationship when it says you're part of the family. There's something different when you're uh, part of the family, not just attached to the family, but part of the family. And so there's the assurance. We often talk in Christian terms of the hope, but by the word hope there, we mean blessed assurance of heavenly uh, inheritance, that eternal life that is ours in Christ Jesus. Not a maybe, not a could be, like we sometimes use the word hope in daily talking, but here it is a blessed assurance that it's going to be. And of course, Peter similarly talks about it, doesn't he? In First Peter, you were referencing it a little bit earlier uh, as you were talking about that, but he also uh, talks about baptism in a similar way to the reference of uh, proclamation. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture because Peter encourages uh, his readers that— um, that there is an inheritance that is, he uses the words, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And, you know, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And and he's he's comforting his readers that, you know, in, in this life, you're going to experience t- trials. And, uh, but he says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, uh, you know, that's that's why we experience trials. And he comforts them by saying, well, there's, you have something to look forward to. There's this hope, there's this glory. Um, and he closes it by saying, you know, uh, by enduring these trials in faith, uh, you obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And so it's really a comforting six verses that he uh, writes about how, how, you know, we have been made heirs, you know, that word inheritance, there's a lot in there um, in regards to being adopted into God's family. And it is frequently used throughout scripture, um, not just by Peter, but by Paul as well, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, This idea that God has adopted us, and baptism is arguably the most significant way God has adopted us. Uh, and, uh, you know, by this adoption, we now have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. The the book of life, as Pastor was talking about, you know, this, this hope that we get to look forward to uh, and anticipate and uh, rejoice in, in, in the midst of what we go through here in this life and on earth. So, well, throughout this episode, we've been talking about what a blessing baptism is. Um, and it's important for us to be reminded of the significance of that. Now, I will admit that uh, I was baptized less than a month old. Uh, I was born on October 22nd. I was baptized on November 17th. Uh, so I was less than a, a day, a month old. Um, do I remember the specific action? Uh, my dad being the pastor as he splashed the water into my head and said, uh, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The answer is no. Uh, but yet I realized that in that event, the water and the word on November 17th, that 
I received the blessings of being a part of the family of God, more than just the family with my uh, dad and my mom and ultimately my siblings, but that I brought into this uh, spiritual family, and it's a blessing that God delivers uh, to me and to you and that significance. Confirmation class, I know that we were talking about baptism last time. I kept talking about how important it is to remember the day of your baptism. We always have these spectacular, uh, as kids, you know, these spectacular uh birthday parties, and they seem to be getting bigger and bigger all the time these days, but these spectacular birthday parties uh, for our day of physical birth. And yet, how important is it for us as Christians to realize the blessing that we received on the day of our baptism? Even though we might not remember the, that event, just like we don't remember the event of uh, physical birth, mm-hmm. uh, it is, is one of those amazing things that it's important for us to be reminded of. And so uh, we we talk about that uh, in confirmation class, encouraging the, the kids to remember that, not just simply so that they can rattle off a date or a or whatever, but so that they have the opportunity to be reminded on that day, you receive the blessing of promise of life everlasting. And so throughout this episode, uh, we've been talking about that uh, blessing that is ours because of baptism. And as Mark says in in chapter 16, uh, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I mean, that blessing that is ours uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as you read your uh, readings this week, as you ponder the prompt question, we encourage you to be reminded of the blessings uh, that is ours. Next week, we're going to get into the power of baptism as we stay with the theme of baptism and its impact on our lives. But we really pray that your study and reading this week will lead you again to be reminded of the uh, the blessings of your baptism. And if you don't know the exact date of your baptism, well, we would encourage you to uh, see if you can't find it. Maybe you got to talk to your parents. Maybe you got to call the church where you were baptized. Maybe you even need to find out what church you were baptized at. Uh, but we encourage you to do a little detective work if you don't know and see if you can find it. Uh, mine was Concordia Lutheran Church, Jamestown, uh, New York, not North Dakota, New York. Uh, unfortunately, that congregation has since closed, but I know that at Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, New York on November 17th, 19. 19- 57, um, I was baptized and brought into the family of God and received the blessings of baptism. And so I encourage you this week, amongst the other things you do, do a little detective work. See if you can find out the date and place and maybe even the name of the pastor that you were baptized by. So with that in mind, the Lord's blessings on your reading and study this week. And we hope to be able to visit with you again next week as we continue our look at baptism. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.